Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Believe in Vanderbilt Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by Commodore alum, NFL vet Ryan Seymour. Ryan, what's good, buddy? Man, what's what's popping today, Matt? Uh, what's popping is we've actually got like a nice day here in Nashville. It's Thursday. We are uh, enjoying some sun, which is uh, it's raining here. It's raining in Atlanta. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. It's uh mid 70s here i woke up I, was, I stepped outside my door it was a little chilly you know getting, it's getting to be some nice golf weather and uh we've got we've got big big joe townsend joining us today and i know joe's a big golfer so he's got to be loving and not sweating his butt off but uh we got big joe here what's up joe Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Sorry, I, my iPad died on me, so I just had to get back on this on uh, my my phone. You're all good, man. We, uh, you, your timing couldn't have been any better. So, Joe, awesome. welcome yeah. back to the pod. You have been, uh, judging by listener feedback, you have been the most popular guest we've ever had on the show. So, uh, welcome back. We're glad to have it you is as always, finest, baby. Oh, Hindyville, man, put him on the map. I love it. Dude, putting you on the map, Joe, Hindyville. Come on. Love it. <laughs> As you guys know, we are, in fact, presented by betonline.ag. The football season is in full swing on the gridiron. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 when you do. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm Al Simon, 91 years young. I created Balance 7 20 years ago. I don't believe God intended for us to be old and sick. For 10 years, I studied pH and how important it is to the immune system. No doctor or hospital can do what Balance 7 can do for you. Balance 7 is the key to unlocking a healthy immune system. In three days' time, you'll feel more energy, less joint discomfort, and clarity of thinking. Bring your body back to balance. Order now and receive free shipping and a free bottle of my Skin. Use the code word AL. Let's get into it, man. Like, wh- what I do you know think? Joe's got some thoughts. Yeah, what do you think so far, man? It has been a weird start to the season. What do you think? Like, just give us your thoughts, man. Like, just go off. Uh, well, I mean, obviously the first game was very disheartening. You, you see that, but slow start there, and then uh, when did the you second, when did you become so game, diplomatic? 
Well, I'm I'm trying. I guess just because we have a brand new coach, you know, Clark Lee. He's brand new. You know, it's like last. Like I said earlier, last podcast, I was fired up, man. Like nothing was being done. We still we had Mason going on seven years. It was just time, you know, and it, it being so early right now, I guess I'm I'm more um, calm and um, you know. Whatever the fancy you know, word is for big that, Joe, big, big Joe wants to see this play out. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. I do. Um, you know, and then the second game against Colorado State. You know, very slow start. We fall back though. We're able to win. That was great to see. Hopefully, that momentum and uh, you know um, carries over into next week. And we get a fast start. I think that's something that needs to happen this week against Stanford at home is a fast start. Well, I was going to say, Joe, are you – this isn't the Joe Townsend I know. Joe, are you making excuses for Coach Lee? I mean, we need – we need uh, your no, raw – we, we need your raw thoughts here, big dog. Well, okay. Well, the first week was f- fucking embarrassing, if you want my real thoughts. Um, that, that was sickening, and it was hard to stomach. Um, First game, not the way you wanted to start. And then the first half against Colorado State, the start of that was the kind of the same thing, you know. And but what I was glad to see was the fight. The guys had some, you know, some nuts about them and they were, you know, willing to fight and they, they stuck together and Ken Seals made some big plays and the offensive line started to protect them a little bit better. And I think they have a very long way to go, but there was progress made and um wins, you know, what did Herb used to say, Ryan? Wins um, minimize problems. Losses maximize problems. Oh yeah. Or I, mean, I guess go you know, going Simons into a like going that. into a Sunday. Going into a Sunday after a win, meetings went a lot smoother than meetings on a Sunday after a loss. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's and you know it got to the point where I don't know about you, but like I would watch film before and like kind of give myself my own grade. And if I played, oh. if I knew I played like shit, and I was walking in that meeting room, I knew what was about to happen. I would. Oh, you had myself. to get you had to get your mind right. You had to get your mind right for the ass chewing that was to come on Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely, they'd be clicking through the plays, and you know, as soon as he clicks on the next play, and that's the one, you're just like, oh fuck, man. You're just you're sinking a little. Very, you, you know, you're sinking down in your chair a little bit. You're kind of hiding a little yes. bit. You know, you're just mentally prepping yourself for. Yeah, uh, the oh shit moment. <laughs> yeah, here it comes. And then, and then you know, the, he he used to you know kind of play it in slow motion when it was real bad. It just to rub it in, and then he'd play it fast and rewind it, rewind it. Just oh man, those were the days. Yeah. Well, Joe, I know you. Uh, you mentioned like obviously the first game against ETSU was just a freaking debacle. Like it was awful. Like. I think some of the things that, you know, Vanderbilt fans were shocked to see, I guess, uh, even from Coach Lee being the new head coach is, you know, the, like the excitement and kind of the flatness that the reporters were kind of reporting on. We saw the same thing. I I felt a little bit this, this past week against uh, Colorado state, like what are your thoughts like on that kind of coaching tech or that kind of coaching, uh, you know, mindset? Well, I, I think that for me as a player, I, I, I fed off of the, you know, the, the, the Franklin energy. And he was, I mean, he was a nutcase on the sideline. And, you know, he was oh, always I know. celebrating. 
And, and, and if you messed up, he would chew your ass out. He'd grab you by the face mask, get your face. And, and, you know, that is just what I, I feel like the teams that I was a part of, we fed off of, we fed off that energy. It starts at the top. You know, the guy's got his arms crossed the whole game. He's not saying much. There's no excitement. I, you know, I think the energy, it, it's a ripple effect. Joe, I texted the group. I texted uh, a lot of the former linemen, I guess, on oh my probably God. last, last week. I texted like texted Joe and I texted Will Holden and Wesley Johnson and Spencer and Jake. And I told uh, – I, I texted the group and I said, what would Herb Hand have done against that loss against ETSU? I texted the group. I said there would have been – there would have been headlines in the number that Herb Hand would have been – like, under restraint like, from Vanderbilt police yes. for, for throwing a chair into the stands and literally trying to fight all of the offensive line for, for, losing, for losing the issue. I'm telling you, he yeah. would have caused he would have caused a scene if that would have been Herb Hand coaching against the ETSU like two weeks ago. It would have been absolutely horrible. It would have been he would have had an aneurysm, dude. He, oh, I, I know. mean, he, he, he would have lost it. And I remember when we played UAB your senior year, Ryan, and we beat him and we beat him pretty well, but we played like dog shit up front. And do you remember how miserable that meeting was to sit through after a win? Just because of how oh. we played in our performance. Oh my God. I mean, it, I, I mean, I, I, just, I go ahead. I just don't know. Do you know anything about this offensive line coach that we have now? I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, you know, when he first got hired, I was literally with YouTube and I'm trying to check out, I was trying to check out some of his like coaching techniques and style. I mean, I love where we're at as far as like the plays are running, like the first game against TTSU. I love to see that we were running it, you know, inside outside zone. Um, and I had watched, one practice and I had watched some of his like YouTube, uh, YouTube videos of him coaching. And it seemed to be pretty good. I liked his like coaching techniques and some of the things that he was kind of coaching up. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like I could, you know, if I'm a player, I could easily like take that and run with it and understand what he's trying to coach me. So like, no, I've got no knock against him. Um, you know, I know he's got a big challenge on his plate. Obviously we're, we're the interior three, we're just really hurt. I mean, two of the guys had zero playing experience going into ETSU. And, and so, you know, if I'm an offensive line coach and I'm trying to get these guys ready, especially for SEC ball, we all know most of these guys for, you know, Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, these guys have fifth year seniors on the O line have had experience, like trying to teach a guy who's got no playing time, um, it could be a challenge, you know, especially when you're running a whole new offense. It's a new offense from from what they've run in the years past. So um, he has a he has a lot on his plate, and and uh, we can kind of dive in a little bit a little bit further about what I've seen from the you know the interior O line. But as far as as far as Coach Blazik, I mean, you know, I'm giving him a fair shot, just like Coach Lee and all the fans just want to see him do well. But you know, there's no question that he's got a big big challenge in getting this O line ready, especially where we are with. Uh, depth and just how old everybody is. Yep. What are you seeing in the offensive line, Joe? Well, it's kind of it, back to what Ryan said about the lack of experience. Offensive line is one of those positions that 
sometimes might take longer to develop that. Because yeah, like a receiver, you, like you know, you know, you imagine like O line versus receiver. Like you could stick an athletic guy out there in the slot, and that guy can just get open. You know, right, right. Yeah, I've seen plenty. I mean, we've played. I've played with athletic linemen, you know, that that weren't that great, and you know, they could they had numbers that were, you know, out of the gym, and they just weren't very good because it's such a fundamentally technique sound position that you, you have to kind of learn that and really live that and, and study it and become obsessed with it because it's, it's not easy to, to, to play offensive line in college. And when you're working with, you know, young guys that lack experience, that, that is a challenge. And you can tell that they like that experience in the first two games and hopefully they stay healthy and they keep working hard and they keep, you know, some shit about them and, they, they play nasty with an attitude because every game they're going to go in, they're going to be the underdog. They're going to be the offense or defensive line that's going to get pushed around and that's going to have a long day. And, you know, they got to know that and they got to practice, they got to practice like that. Something they got to, something they have to, something I immediately notice is one way, one way they can immediately help themselves is even if I'm going to get beat or I may not know what to do, you got to eliminate the self-inflicted penalties, the offside, you know, the yes. false starts, the holding penalties that we saw against CTSU, like guys down the field, um, those types of things. It doesn't matter if you have experience, like you can automatically eliminate those mistakes. So like, that's something we really ought to see coach Blasek and coach Lee really focusing on. And that is trying to eliminate penalties, you know, Penalties, yeah, that, penalties that you can penalties that you can eliminate. Right, absolutely. Yeah, don't shoot yourself in the foot, especially when you're already behind the eight ball. Exactly. So it's like you're not doing yourself any favor when you're always playing behind the sticks. When every time you do, you know, catch a pass, you get a holding call, or every time you get a ten yard pickup, you get an illegal man downfield. Like every single yeah. play action, every single like play action pass, the referees could have called. Illegal man downfield. These guys, yep. either the quarterback's holding on to the ball too long, or these plays aren't just designed correctly. Because I'm watching the tape and I'm looking at, you know, when Steen got called against TTSU, I would look back at the other plays and I'm like, they could have called this on every damn on every one of these. Um, right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I was like, blow my mind. The the, the the O line, and I know you can't see what's behind you, but you have to have a sense of like, okay. Clearly, the D lineman is reading pass here. I got to back up or not continue to gain ground, and I got to either backpedal or slow my slow my ass down. You know, right? That's that's why it's so important to know what's going on behind you. You know, it's kind of like having eyes in the back of your head. If you know what's happening in front of you, knowing what's going on behind you, it's kind of like like you said, Ryan. We used to have those those long drawn out plays where we would have you know those five step drops, and we would have to block and know that you know what was going on accordingly or the quick step you know the three-step drop okay he's not going to drop back as far we got to be more firm in our protection because we know what he's doing behind us right so yeah awareness i guess like awareness of the down and distance awareness of the plays that are being called as an o-line you know you definitely have to be aware like you said um so they're not doing themselves any favor with this play calling or it's just not being coached correctly you know because uh that's going to continue to come up every single week if they don't get that addressed along with, you know, the penalties. So just, just to our point, 
you know, the O-line is already at a disadvantage with lack of experience. We've really got to make sure we're eliminating all these self-inflicted penalties. So one of the things that I noticed in that Colorado State game was that the offense started clicking once they started really incorporating the short passing game. Because I thought against ETSU, they were trying to let some of these bigger plays develop, and they just don't have the offensive line to do that at the moment, you know, especially on the inside, like you've talked about, Ryan. Once they started really focusing on those quick underneath passes, especially to Cam Johnson, I think that really opened up things for them a lot. And if you are calling plays, Joe, you know, and, and you take that into consideration, what sort of like wrinkles are do you think that we're, they're going to need to add against Stanford in order to be successful against a much higher level defense than Colorado State? Well, I, I don't before you add in wrinkles kind of back to your point of how they were having success with the short, the short passes is they, they weren't going for the deep shots. They were trying to establish something. Okay. And when you, when a quarterback, especially a guy like that we have, that's doesn't have that much experience and he is completing these short passes and the ball's moving, the offense is marching down the field. That's momentum. And that starts that it's kind of like a ripple effect. It starts to build. And then you, you know, you, you start completing these passes, you can establish drives. And then these small plays eventually end up being big plays. And I think if we can start drive strong and establish drives instead of going three and out and having to go for the deep ball, I think that's going to give us a better opportunity to put more points on the board because we've got to stay on the field and whatever that is, short passes, long passes, run the ball, you know, play action. That's what we need to do. And then I think once you get good at that and, and the basics and you got that honed in, then you can throw some rings. But I'm not an offensive coordinator, so that's just my thought. Yeah, I like I like because now offense now because now defenses are obviously gonna have to respect that short game. And so when you happen to start taking away from the long and bringing guys up and pressing them a little harder to, to respect the short game, that's gonna start opening up longer, you know, big plays for Vanderbilt to try to to try to mix in there, I guess you could say, but uh, I definitely like Joe's Joe's thoughts on that. Like we just got to obviously stick to what we're doing well, master what we're doing well now, and then we can start to kind of mix in some of these wrinkles, maybe some of these like uh, trick plays or maybe some of these longer plays that kind of take time to develop. Um, Again, plays that take longer develop means you have to have a longer pass protection up front. And that's kind of our weakness right now. So I think us, adjusting at the at the end of the second half against Colorado State. Um, that was a good, nice adjustment. I, you know, too bad we couldn't have saw more of that against ETSU. Again, I still think back to, to ETSU, and I still am like, what happened? We couldn't do anything. We tried to throw everything we could at them. The penalties just got us off the rhythm every time we got something going. Um, and we started to see a little bit more of that again in the first half against Colorado State. I mean, everybody was blowing on Twitter. I know I was. It was like, oh, my God, here here we go again. You know, the first half, <clears throat> it looked like the worst team in college football against the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. yeah. And, and let's just be honest. Colorado State is not good. They're not a good football team. I don't think. No, they're, they're, they're not. They also lost to an FCS school in week one. Now, given the FCS school yeah, they so, lost to is South Dakota State, which is top three school in FCS, <laughs> not you know ETSU is a much right, worse program, yeah. but still they got ETSU didn't even have a program when me and Ryan were playing. Put that let that right. sink in. We should be able to walk on that field and beat them with talent alone, and we we got manhandled. 
Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And so I was I, I was glad to see now the thing that I was happy about besides just a quick pass game in that Colorado State game was the fact that they actually seemed to make in-game defensive adjustments, which we did not see at all against ETSU. And I thought that the secondary started to play better, especially second quarter, third quarter. Um, and But my biggest issue with the defense so far, Joe, has been the fact that they don't seem that they, like they can set an edge. They, you know, they are getting absolutely annihilated on outside running plays. What have you seen out of the defense so far? Well, you know, being a lineman, I'll, I'll watch both sides of the football up front. So I can speak from a defensive line perspective. Um, we're, we're just, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting beat up front. We're getting manhandled. You know, we're, we're people are getting their reaches, they're reaching us offenses, are reaching the outside shoulder of our guys. We're not getting enough penetration. Kind of looks like we're playing a little timid, kind of, you know, uncertain at times. And I remember when we, you know, when me and Ryan played, we had a defensive line coach. His, his name was Coach Chaos. And I'm not kidding you. The defensive line was on crack all practice, every practice, because <laughs> this guy's energy and the, and the way he coached them. I mean, they you could not – those guys didn't ever wild slow dog. down. They didn't ever stop. Wild dogs is what they were called. They were literally like wild dogs, and they had all the energy every single practice. And, you know, I don't know what goes on at practice, but I see what's happening in the games, and we're just we're, – we're, we're not – Yeah, I wanted to speak, like I wanted to speak on uh, – front. Yeah, I want to speak on a little bit, I guess, more about attitude. And I think we all keep kind of referring back to the lack of not necessarily enthusiasm because obviously the guys are excited, but just the mentality of being like a savage, like a wild dog, badass. Like I just haven't seen from watching the tape on both sides of the ball, O-line and D-line, any of these guys, um, you know, picking guys off plays, finishing downfield, you know, pancaking guys or the D-line getting in the fights with the O-line. I mean, how many sacks have we had in the last two games? I mean, I, I don't think many. Um, you know, I just, again, we kind of refer back to Franklin and that energy that he brought. And like you mentioned, Coach Chaos had. Um, I want to see more of that coming from the sidelines because then it's going to trickle down into what's going on on the, on the field. And so um, I wish I could see more of that. You know, I can't – I'm not in the meeting rooms. I can't uh, – meet with every one of these guys and get them jacked up before the game. But, you know, I want to see us start playing with an edge more, you know, literally, literally start playing with an edge so that we can protect the edges from us getting ran over by the O-line reaching us and uh, embarrassing us out there. I think Davis is playing well. I think he's, you know, one of few that, uh, that is actually doing a pretty good job out there. Yeah, I feel like Davis is playing I well. I feel like Barr is playing well at linebacker too. I feel like Barr's been Barr, Barr's probably yeah, been Barr. outside of Davis. I think he's probably been their best defender. Yeah. I uh, think that's a great point you make, Ryan, about the sideline energy. It it really does trickle onto the field. And I would love to see more of that out of the coaching staff. You know, jumping up and shoulder bumping with guys after big plays and they're coming to the sidelines and just hooing and raw, you know, just just being wild and, and, and having energy. That's a great point, and I think that definitely trickles onto the field. 
Yeah, it absolutely does. And I mean, you can even feel in the stands. Like, you know, you know, I was there for in the stands for game one and it was dead. It was dead on the sidelines. It was dead in the stands. It was dead everywhere. The only place it wasn't dead were, were the two dozen ETSU fans at the ETSU sideline, which was embarrassing. It was just embarrassing. And now I am I'm worried, honestly, a little bit about this about about this weekend's game because we just saw Stanford go in at USC and manhandle them. And they manhandled them using that outside run game, using using a lot of outside zone stretch, that kind of stuff. And if they if the Vanderbilt, if Vanderbilt cannot make the adjustments that they need to do here, it's going to be a long day for the defense. Um, I'm curious, though, Joe, uh, going flipping back to the offensive side of the ball. The first game, we saw two quarterbacks. We saw both Wright and Seals play. You know, Wright seemed to have a little bit of a rhythm before he got popped on that on that. Uh, I think it was on the sack and then the corner blitz. Yeah, the yeah. corner blitz. Last game we just saw Seals. How do you see that shaking out as we go along? And do you think that uh, you know, that they need to just stick with Seals moving forward, or do you think they'll still need to sprinkle right in? I think you stick with one guy. I, that that's my belief. I think you gotta figure that out and, and you stick with one guy. And you, you ride with them and, you know, you, you grind it out with them through the good and the bad. And that's something that you got to have faith in when you make that decision. We had four different quarterbacks my senior year under Mason's first coaching staff. Four. Our offense was probably, if you looked in the books about what we did on offense my senior year, we probably had the worst offense in the history of Vanderbilt football. I, I, I would be willing to guarantee <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not kidding you. I'm serious. Probably one of the worst. And that's after, you know, two years of having two of the best offenses. So um, I, I think you stick with one guy. You, you have to. And he's got to make improvements and strides and and um, get better. He has to. He has to get better. But I think one guy is the way to go. So as some of you guys already know, our podcast is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport that we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Head on over to the website PlayActionPools.com and sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select 10 of the highest-profile games each week between the NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct every week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to PlayActionPools.com and sign up for the contest, Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contests, head on over to PlayActionPools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. PlayActionPools.com, your new home for all office sports pools. Okay, so I want to switch it up. I want to go back to your to your playing days a little bit. One of the questions that I ask a lot, especially the offensive linemen, who was the hardest dude for you to block in the SEC? Uh, in the SEC or who we played, or, or who against who you played, I guess. The the toughest nose guard I, I ever went against was Nikita Whitlock from Wake Forest. Really? <laughs> he was. He was. Yeah. He was like five nine. He was five nine or five ten, two hundred and sixty pounds, and he was the fastest, most athletic little stomp 
that you've ever seen. I'm not kidding you. It's just we roll off of combination We could not fucking block this motherfucker. They, we, it didn't matter what we did. Gap game, zone game, outside, inside. This motherfucker, he basically had free reign. He could do whatever he wanted. He'd shoot whatever fucking gap. It didn't even make sense with what, what else the rest of the defense was doing. He just did what he wanted. And for three years in a row, he gave me nightmares. Oh, that he was a great, funny. he was a great defensive nose guard. He was, I think, he was the yeah, he, he was like Texas. He, he has his center of gravity was so low to the ground when you would expect to like kind of pancake one of these guys that that you know you're like oh 260 I'm gonna roll this guy up, but he had such a low center of gravity he could eat up double teams he could bounce off double teams you know when you get you know you might be able to get your hands on him but he was so slippery. It was hard to finish this guy and, again, would find ways to get in cracks. You know, he would just he would just get through somehow, and you're like, how does this guy make it past, you know, a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", 315 is a wall, but this little 5'10 guy is just working people. And we used to watch film like, you know, I think the first year we played them, um, Herb Hand came in, he was like, guys, not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. This guy is gonna be dangerous. And we're like looking at his, you know, looking at his height and weight. We're like, are you kidding me? This guy's gonna be a, it's gonna be a joke. And then we put on the tape and we started watching him throughout the season because we always played Wake Forest like the last game of the year. We would watch the tape against him. It was unbelievable him working some of these O line yes. in the ACC. It was it was like Oh my God! Right. He was embarrassing, guys. He was that that film we watched was when uh, Wake Forest played Florida State, and Florida State center won the Remington that year, and Nikita Whitlock absolutely dogged him all game. The the the, the Remington Trophy winner. I'll never forget that. I watched that game, and I'm like, yeah, this kid is fucking. He's the real deal. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure who you were going to say, but uh, Nikita Willock, I I remember of all the people I played against, he was definitely one of those that I'll never ever forget. Never ever. Um. Hey, Joe. You yes. know, if you know, with Vanderbilt, um, Vanderbilt's taken a lot of steps recently. At least have announced. Candace Lee has announced that we're doing this this big. Um, dump of money into the into the football program. They're going to be re, you know they redid the locker room. They're supposed to be redoing some of the stadium. I know they got some of that done. They have phases to build out McGugan bigger. You know how what what sort of challenges is Coach Lee going to face as he you know because I'm assuming that again if we don't see a lot of success at the end of this year we're going to start seeing well hey I haven't had my recruiting class in yet you know we always see that kind of a crutch for a lot of head coaches who maybe don't have early success. And we always hear, well, once I get my guys in here, we'll be better. What are some of the challenges that Coach Lee is going to face as he's, you know, it's very competitive to recruit. Um, you know, I'm looking at Vanderbilt coming off an 0-10 season, and now we're 1-1 one one, um, going into this, you know, going into the stretch. Uh, if I'm a recruit and I'm looking at this program, like what are some of the challenges that Coach Lee is going to face? Well, it's it's tough. 
it, I, it's tough. I think it's tough at Vanderbilt, regardless of who's at the helm. Um, obviously, the new facilities and the whole Vandy United thing that has been launched is great. And I, and I love to see the plans and the layouts, but um, it, that, that's going to help with recruiting. But if you don't put a winning product on the field, I don't know how you recruit. You obviously can sell the education. That's great. You know, kids kids obviously love that aspect of, of uh, attending Vanderbilt is getting the world class education and playing at SEC. But if you're if you're a kid and you're a competitor, and let's say you're a three star, you know, and you got a few SEC offers, not all of them, and Vanderbilt's one of your your teams, and you know, yeah, okay, we got a there's a great education there, but I want to win. You know, you want to you want your college football days to be a memory that you remember and 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 love to look back on and think of and talk about with your buddies. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, last week, tough. last week, some of these last week was some of the first time some of these guys had ever had a win. Yeah, you know? that, that's that's that. Yeah, I mean, when you bring that, that's crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah, that. I mean, they so, were because they didn't win a game last year. So all the sophomores, it's their first win. It was Ken Seal's first win. Oh, I thought. I'm sorry. I thought. I thought Ryan was talking about the recruits. Like we we recruited some kids that didn't win a game, like their senior year. I thought no, that's no. what he was talking about. No, like, like no, like, yeah, that was, was Ken was Seal's kind of, first I was kind of referring win. Referring to like Seals at Vanderbilt. Yeah, and I mean that's crazy. That that's that's crazy to think about when. Me and Ryan were so fortunate to go to Vanderbilt during the time we did. And, you know, we were able to have the success that we had. And, you know, back then it wasn't easy. We knew how hard we worked and, and we did. We grinded and our schedule was strenuous and, and, and we earned every win that we had. We and we did. And we put the work. Yeah. In and- I mean, our situation, our situation is a little bit different. I know, obviously, coming off of a big, you know, off of COVID and, um, I know that obviously set us back quite a bit. I mean, I know when we were talking about last year when Mason was coaching that, I mean, how many guys entered the transfer portal? How many guys sat out last year? There was quite a few. So I know Vanderbilt specifically took a huge hit in that aspect of it. But at the same time, you know, everyone also took a hit. There was a lot of teams that had guys sit out, you know. So using the COVID crutch is kind of getting old, you know. Um, Especially now that everyone's kind of vaccinated, it's mandated against, you know, against most of the college teams and so uh it's not going to be really a fallback anymore but but you know i just i know it was so frustrating joe is i talked to guys like you and guys i played with towards my senior year and then you know your i think your junior year like wesley's senior year all those guys were two and three star guys you know i mean we we won games we won games with the most underrated players underdogs that uh, that any other SEC school would ever see. And so that's why I always am so passionate about it starts with coaching. You know, it doesn't just start with recruiting. I mean, obviously the recruiting, you got to get players, but I think it always starts with coaching because um, you can win with guys. You can win with guys, whoever you put out there. Like, obviously they're going to be good enough to, you know, obviously they're going to be successful in high school. Mostly everyone that's playing at Vandy was, you know, probably pretty good in high school. Maybe not a five-star guy. Again, that's like 3% of the whole country is how these Bama, Georgia guys get recruited. So um, I think it starts with coaching. So I just really, really hope that we'll see out of Coach Lee and his staff take uh, take responsibility for the product that we're putting on the field. And I hope we don't ever get to the point where, oh, well, you know, once I get my recruiting class in here, it's going to be a different story because I want to see results now. Coach Lee was brought in to change this program. 
Um, what I what I've seen the first two weeks has been a little concerning, especially against week one. You know, I mean, what a way to start your Vanderbilt debut against a loss against the ETSU. I mean, that is just still rubbing me the wrong way. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid going into this. I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid going into Stanford this week, all of this momentum, all of this excitement that these guys had is going to be sucked from underneath them. And then we're going into Georgia, and it's going to get ugly quick. We've got a long season ahead of us. Kentucky's looking really good. Ole Miss is looking really good. We're at UT. Are we at UT this year? No, UT's in Nashville. UT's in Nashville. Yeah. Well, they they sure they sure played a hell of a game too. I mean, I know they I know they got beat, but still, I mean, I watched UT. And I watched Vandy. I know they lost last week, but dude, they look they look so much better than than we look. They would mop you know? us. They would mop us. Even like right even some of the even some of the bottom feeder SEC schools like UT this year is looking like they would absolutely dominate us. So I don't know. Maybe yes. I'm wrong, but uh, I'm certainly concerned, and I just pray to God that we can start getting some of these mistakes cleaned up and get this offense tweaked enough to where we can start finding success some success because these big drive killers that we've seen the last two weeks every time we get a first down it's coming back gotta eliminate that stuff yeah if we want a shot at being competitive in any of our sec games we have to win this weekend against stanford and get that momentum going into jordan that's my take we have yeah. this is because a new, you're right we have, this is almost we a must to win. win this weekend this is a must win yeah this it's is a must win it's a must I mean, win and the guys also got to think that way. I know, I know us, us as spectators and us as former players, you know, we can always say, Oh, this week's the most important week. Well, that was always the message, Joe. That was always the message from Franklin was we're one and oh this week. I don't care what we did against whoever we're one and oh this week, or we got to focus on being one and oh this week. You know, we can't, yeah. we can't let things that we have no control of, affect our future you know so i'm hoping i'm hoping that's the message even even this win after colorado state it's got to be that's behind us now guys we're moving on to stanford right our success against colorado state doesn't mean stanford's going to fly all the way over here from the west coast and shut it down here in nashville you know no they want to come over here and beat our ass that's 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 what their plan is David Shaw, I guarantee you, is going to have them boys ready to come play and play tough, and they're they're going to prepare like they're playing a very good football team. And this I, is I going to be their Super Bowl the because it's the it's going to be their Super Bowl because it's going to be the two top you know educational programs going head to head. And I know one of the I know we want bragging rights, you know. So yeah, uh, this absolutely. is going to be their Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. It's a big game. <laughs> Yeah, now I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. So now they just came off a massive win against USC, a win so big that USC fired their coach afterward. Next week, they they play at uh, UCLA, which is the top 15 team in the country this year. Any chance that they're overlooking us? I don't know. I would say if it wasn't Vandy, maybe I would. I would say maybe. I would say if it wasn't Vanderbilt, I, I see the point you're making. That obviously they just beat USC, so now Vanderbilt coming off a loss to ETSU and a barrel and a you know and a just a barely win against Colorado State, maybe. 
but I also think that because it's Vanderbilt and Stanford, I think that um, I would say no, Matt. To answer your question, I think I would say no. I agree. I agree with Ryan. I don't think they're overlooking this at all. I think this is. I think. I think. David Shaw, I don't know him, but, you know, he's been at Stanford for a very long time and they've had great success. I think he's kind of in the same mindset as far as telling his players, you know, this is the most important game, this one right here. This last game, it's over. It doesn't matter. This is the most important game and we're going to prepare like it. And I I think they're doing that. Now, you might have some guys that don't buy into it. You know, there might be some guys, oh, Vanderbilt, you know, they're a joke. We got this. But I think I think the message overall for Stanford is this is this is the biggest game you know of the year because it's the next game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of US, speak, speak well. Speaking of USC, real quick, I'm going to say speaking of USC, I'm sure we've all been hearing the rumors about James Franklin. Oh yeah, we heard those rumors before he left Vanderbilt. Someone asked me today, I, one of my buddies, I woke up to a text from my buddy Carlton. He was asking me, he was like, hey, Ryan, what do you think about James Franklin as a coach? And what do you think his interest is in USC? Um, I'll give you my two cents on it. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe, again, I, maybe there's something I'm missing here. But I don't see what the benefit of him leaving Penn State to go to USC is. Again, I don't know much about that. I don't know much about that conference. And I don't, I don't, I don't know much about USC. I know Penn State. Now, he's done a lot of really good things at Penn State, obviously coming off of the Sandusky trials and stuff for years. Penn State was a program that had, you know, taken a lot of uh, a lot of heat, obviously. And so for him to go in there and turn that program around and now to find a lot, you know, to bring a lot of wins to them, I'm sure he's looked at the same way Vanderbilt used to look at him. I'm sure they look at him as a god there in Penn State because of what he's been able to do and to turn that to turn that program around. I mean, the stadium is constantly full. He's winning big games every single year. I don't know what his salary is, but I mean, I can't imagine he would leave to take a higher salary to go to USC. He's got two little girls who are, I'm sure in school, you know, who are in school there um, where he lives. And so pulling them out of school to, to move to California where you got a lot higher state income tax. Um, I don't know why he would leave for USC. I mean, but maybe Matt or you, Joe, can explain to me why, but that's just my two cents. I don't know why. He, I don't know what the benefit of him leaving Penn State is. I don't either because he's, he's on such good terms right now with Penn State. Um, obviously, he's, you know, he's, he's rebuilt that program to his, his version, and I don't think he's on a hot seat, and I don't think he's leaving Penn State unless he has a reason to leave. And right now, I don't. I don't think he has any reason to leave. I agree. I don't think I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know why he would leave Pennsylvania. That's where he's from. That's where his family's, you know, from. And yeah, that's where, like Ryan said, his little girls live there and he's got all his family there. I don't, I don't know why he would leave. He has no reason to, but then again, he, he, he might want to. Yeah. Especially, I mean, they just got a big win against Wisconsin week one. I mean, I know they beat the shit, beat the crap out of Paul ball state last week. They got Auburn at, they got Auburn, uh, I think, at home maybe this week. Yeah, it's at home. It's going to be a whiteout. It's going to be a huge game. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. I've been, I've been seeing these rumors, and I don't. I just don't see what the what the catch is or what the benefit of Franklin leaving Penn State. I feel like he's, I think he's been there seven years now or eight years, and he's. I mean, that could be, he could be the next Joe Paterno for Penn State. I mean, he could be there 20, 30 years if he wanted to, in my opinion. 
So right. my two cents on 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 the situation. A, he's in a place where, like like Joe said, he's from Pennsylvania. He has yeah. done a very good job overall with this program. He's done a very good job. They were in they were in dire straits after Bill O'Brien left, and they had the Sandusky trial, like you mentioned. It was not a great time to be at Penn State, and he's done a great job. He's won a Big Ten title. He's got the team in position this season to make it to another Big Ten championship game. He's starting to recruit really well. At USC, they have an itchy trigger finger when it comes to firing coaches. You know, Clay Helton lasted a lot longer than most people expected. I'm, And also, college football still really matters at Penn State and in Western Pennsylvania in general. In Los Angeles, college football is just kind of another thing, right? I mean, I and I can speak from experience. I lived there for seven years. It's, yes, USC is the number one game in town, but it's never going to mean nearly as much to the region as Penn State football means to that region. You're going to have equal amount of budget, whether it's recruiting budget, you know, facilities, all that kind of stuff. They're going to be one and the same, effectively, like Ryan mentioned, this you know, state taxes, income taxes, all that kind of stuff is going to be way cheaper in Pennsylvania. Cost of living is a lot less. And coming out of the Big Ten, it's a lot easier to make a run for the college football playoff as it's currently constructed than it is out of the Pac-12. So I yeah. don't see the. I, I, mean, I, can see, I, I don't see the uh, yeah, benefit. I can see, I can see Franklin. I can see Franklin getting his girls through school there. And then perhaps maybe once they leave for college in a few years, maybe maybe Franklin maybe taking another look at the NFL. Like I just don't see USC as any like um, I just don't see that being a fit for him right at least right now, especially with his little girls being in school and especially him being from Pennsylvania. Um, so all these rumors, I just don't know what the catch would be. It's know? a lateral move. It's a lateral move at best. Yeah, and it ain't always the grass that ain't best. always greener, you know. No, absolutely, yeah. And absolutely. so, you know, yes, USC has had more success in terms of national titles in the last 20 years. I mean, they have two national titles from the early 2000s with, you know, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Reggie and those Bush. teams. But in the last, if you look over the last, even since he got to Penn State, Penn State's been a more successful program. So it's... Absolutely. Yeah, they, they've been a more consistent program, more successful program, and... I still think that, and the other thing is, like, they're still the, they are the unquestioned big dog in their state. USC is always going to have to contend with Stanford, Cal. With UCLA, with yeah. Cal, and Oregon. Oregon poaches so many kids from California at this point. So does Arizona State. That even when you're the number one yeah. game in town, it's still tough. Whereas if you grew up in Western Pennsylvania, like my mom's from Western Pennsylvania, if you grew up in that area, like everyone knows that it is, you know, Penn state is the only thing that really matters. Yeah. Penn state is nationwide, man. I see that little Nittany lion on the back of people's bumper stickers everywhere. Um, yep. Yeah. So I, I have to agree with everybody. It would be a lateral move. I just don't see it happening. I guess we'll let that play out. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it happening either. And you know, What'll happen is that he'll use it for leverage to get a pay raise, which yeah, know, I'll, uh, yeah. If I'm if I'm Franklin, I'm gonna let these rumors keep floating around. It just makes him look better. It just makes him look more desirable as a team like USC, who's obviously got the who's got the dough to uh, to start 
bringing up these conversations. I mean, if I'm Franklin, in the back of my mind, I know I'm not leaving, but I'm also going to maybe not necessarily let everyone to believe I'm not leaving because, like you said, man, God, it just drives his stock way up. It just drives his, it just drives his, uh, uh, he, he has, he has now an opportunity to go to his, to go to his, uh, his boss and ask for, ask for a raise. And that, yeah, you can use that as leverage. Exactly. You know, uh, yeah. what are you worth? You're, you're, you're worth as much as you can negotiate. And he can use this as a, as a leverage point in negotiation. So good for him. Good for him. All right, I think we're going to wrap it up there today, guys. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for uh, hopping back on with us. We love having you here. Love your insights. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sorry it took me a little while to get, uh, get going. Ryan, I just needed some juice from Ryan. He had to fire me up. <laughs> at the very beginning yeah man we're not you know we give everyone a fair shot but we're also going to call a spade a spade you know um yeah, man. we're not giving Absolutely. up on, we're not giving up on i'm not giving up on lee by any means now i'm just here we me and matt do this and we have guests on we're just here to report what we see we're not here to talk trash about anybody we just want at the end of the day vanderbilt to be successful and especially the players to have a good experience and to, and to win football and um you know, like we talked today, it's still very early, but there's been some things that have been very concerning. Obviously, you know that's that's no, that's nothing new. Like obviously, anyone that watched, you know, anyone that watched Week One and the first half against Colorado State would also bring those concerns up. So, Joe, it's it's great to hear your opinion on a lot of this. You know, obviously, this is going to be a big must-win week as we talked about against Stanford. But um, we're just going to see how the rest of the season plays out. We'll, we'll continue to evaluate where we are throughout the season at the end of the year. You know, we'll just see where we are. But, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. Everybody wants everybody wants this team to win. Everybody wants Coach Lee to have success. But um, at the end of the day, no one's bigger than the team. And I think that's Absolutely. really important that we always have to remember is that no one is bigger than the team. And that means Coach Lee. That means, you know, Blazic. That means Kansas. No one is bigger than the team. And so everyone has to remember that. And, uh, you know, when you take this job, fortunately, there's a lot of highs. and Sometimes there are going to be a lot of lows. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, but anyways. So, uh, so guys, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you, Joe. Thank you, Matt. Always. Yeah, they, thank you both for having me, guys. I've really enjoyed it. Always. And uh, until next time, anchor down. Anchor down. Uh, yeah, see y'all. Anchor down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.